Welcome to Cinema Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from my palatial one-bedroom apartment in Chicago is... Nobody. Yeah, just me this week. I wanted to recap my time spent at PAX East a couple weeks back. I figured it was just easier for me to talk about it myself, like I'm sure a friend would have been more than polite enough to sit in with me. That seems kind of boring for them, so I'll just go over it myself. And, of course, I have many, many interviews to play. Uh, from different game developers I met throughout the weekend. Uh, so on this episode, you're going to be hearing from the developers behind the following games. Uh, what the Golf, Star Renegades, Subscribe My Adventure, Dungeon Munchies, Emily is Away 3, After Charge, and A Fold Apart. Now I do have more interviews that are yet to be edited, and they'll be going out uh, next week. And if you have taken a look at the podcast episode description, either on Spreaker or in your podcast uh, app, then it should give you timestamps on uh, each interview if you want to just go ahead and listen to those individually. But first, uh, I, I did want to talk a little bit about my time at PAX. So getting there ended up being kind of a disaster. I, uh, I flew in from Chicago to Boston Wednesday night, got into the airport no problem, got on the bus no problem to my Airbnb, and just a few minutes away from my uh, destination, my phone was, the battery was dying. So I plugged it into my portable charger. And then I got off the bus and I noticed that my phone wasn't charging from the battery. And I had about 8% battery left. So I started to hustle over to my Airbnb and then I realized that my battery was dead. So not only could I not necessarily know my final destination, but I didn't have any of the information to check into my Airbnb because it was all on my phone. Now, I did actually find the place I was staying, but I didn't have a way to get in. So I went over to the convenience store down the street. I bought a, uh, a bottle of rubbing alcohol and a box of Q-tips so I could try and uh, put some rubbing alcohol in the uh, charging port because I've had this problem before with my phone. And I was having mixed success with this when they uh, basically kicked me out of the convenience store. I, I kind of pleaded with the guy. I was like, look, I, can I just borrow your phone so I can look in my Gmail account to see my Airbnb info? And he either didn't understand or chose not to understand. And I left. And so now I'm walking around not the greatest neighborhood in Boston. Uh, and I have all my luggage with me. So I'm, I f- I'm feeling pretty vulnerable. And I end up walking into a gas station a couple blocks away where I have to borrow a paperclip so I can try and get a little bit of the cotton from the Q-tip drenched in rubbing alcohol in further into the port to see if that'll improve the conduction. And while that didn't end up working, I did manage after repeated tries to get my phone to charge up just long enough so I could look up the check-in instructions. I thank the... Uh, gas station attendant for uh, <laughs> putting up with me. I get out of there. I go to my Airbnb. I get in. So that, that problem solved at least. I mean, t- 10 minutes ago, I was thinking about, well, maybe I could go back to the train station. Maybe I could go back to the airport and sleep on a chair. And then like at you know 9 a.m., I can go to an uh, Apple store and buy a new phone. But when I plugged my phone into the wall, into a wall outlet, it started charging. So it looks like the culprit was actually just the battery the whole time. Like the, uh, looks like the USB port 
which the charging cable was using isn't that solid, doesn't have that much grip. So it was maybe a little loose in the socket and not actually sending the charge along. Got that out of the way, thankfully. <laughs> then Thursday morning, I headed over to the convention center where all of this was taking place. I got into the queue hall. I went in one of those giant, giant lines. I ended up starting out by going to the Microsoft booth, playing uh, a few different games there. I think I kind of got kicked out of the booth. Like I was just playing a game and then I put the controller down and a guy kind of rushed over to me, gave me a pin and was like, all right, thank you very much. Have a good day. And I, I left, but my, the friend I was with uh, did not seem to have that same thing going on. So I just kind of stayed in there for another 15 minutes and I wandered around for a little while instead. After that though, uh, we headed over to the Indie Mega Booth where I didn't even have this interview pre-planned, but when I, I saw this game in action, I, I felt like I needed to check it out for myself and talk to one of the people behind it. I ended up talking to Morton, the sound designer behind the game What's the Golf? On the floor, and you can hear it a little bit in the background, is What the Golf? And I've got here uh, Morton, who is the sound designer on the game from Triband Games. Morton, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Uh, so just uh, when you're coming up with a little, uh, like, the and the for the different uh, stroke sounds, uh, do you have an imagination of, like, what you want to use beforehand? Well, yeah, it's all about, you know, whatever can give a, a comical effect for the player. Uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with uh, realism in golf or anything. It's just all about what sounds silly, what sounds fun. Because this is a total inversion of a regular golf game, right? Instead of uh, hitting a ball, you're hitting everything but the ball, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been working on this project? Uh, so the game has been in production for about two years, I believe. Uh, I've only joined the project about six or eight months ago. Have you worked on any other games uh, previously? Only uh, one game, a uh, small indie game prior to this. What's the difference in terms of like the expectations from that to this? Well, uh, the last game I worked on was um, was a simulation game uh, where everything had to be very realistic. So you could say uh, a game like What the Golf is a breath of fresh air compared to that because nothing has to be realistic it's just all about fun stuff do you have a favorite uh, effect that you've designed or composed so far mm, i kind of like uh the the car sounds uh just because it's very fun there are a lot of uh, car honks and uh you know rusty car sounds to make them uh, quite fun to play how are you enjoying PAX so far? I mean, it's, it's still pretty early on, so hopefully energy's still up for now. Yeah, 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 it is. It's, uh, it's really fun. It's actually my first um, convention ever, um, so it's very exciting. That's great. That's great. And there's one uh, question I like to ask everyone who comes on the podcast. Uh, so I think there's like a shared knowledge of Pokemon to some extent at some point in your life. Uh, so just uh, if there is... Uh, one Pokemon you could choose to be. One Pokemon? That you could, yeah, that you could be. What would that Pokemon be? Oh, that's actually a difficult question for me because I never really played Pokemon. Um, I don't know. I like Magikarp. 
Magikarp is probably live a pretty peaceful life. I mean, yeah. they're not used to battling that much, so they mostly yeah. can just go swim around and stuff. Yeah, pretty chill life, I, I, I'd, uh, I'd imagine. If uh, we, people want to find out uh, about what the golf and Triband, where can we find out about you? Go, uh, go uh, look up uh, Triband on, on Twitter. Um, that's where we post most of our stuff, or you can uh, join our Discord. Um, that's where we, we update people on, on a lot of the stuff we're doing. That's, that's excellent. Thank you so much for your time. Next up was my first scheduled appointment for the weekend. I had uh, talked with uh, Jacqueline Joy ahead of time. Uh, she's the community manager over at Massive Damage, and their game is called Star Renegades. I was looking forward to that for a while. I'd seen some screenshots, some videos online. I was fortunate enough to demo uh, their alpha build at PAX, and then I got to talk to Jacqueline right afterward. Chatting with me now after my untimely demise is uh, Jacqueline Joy. She is the community manager at Massive Damage. They're in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and their current project now is Star Renegades. Thanks for your time. Oh, thanks for dropping by to play the game. So you were telling me a little bit before about how the game is completely deterministic. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, yeah, so basically, um, if you see on the timeline, you can kind of see your enemy's attacks and your own attacks, and you kind of plan accordingly to counter them. And there's no RNG, by the way. So if you die, that's your fault. <laughs> you know, I, I accept that. I, I, <laughs> I, uh... No worries. I died so many times, so I can only blame myself. Yeah, because this is a kind of an RPG. You know, you yes. have a party, you're wandering the map, but if your party member goes down, they're they're gone forever. Yes, for now they can go down, but like uh, we plan to have like a sort of mechanic where you can revive them using your own resources. Or if you actually leave their corpse on the planet, what happens is that the enemy, the Imperium, they can actually come over and take their corpse, and then in the next cycle, rebellion cycle, you might see them as your enemy. I didn't know that, and yeah. I am sadder Betrayal. for knowing that. So <laughs> yeah, uh, so your BFF could end up being your worst enemy. Uh, that's well, that's disappointing. Uh, so your massive damages last project was Halcyon Six, right? Yes. And that was to an extent like more of a, a macro strategy experience. Yes. Uh, how is it the studio uh, explored like more, changing from a macro experience more of like a micro experience where you're a small ragtag group? Um, it was interesting because Star Renegades was more of a project that um, I guess it was the, kind of like the dream project we wanted to make because for Halcyon 6 we kind of made the game on the fly and there are a lot of things that we wish we did for it and I guess like um, with our new upcoming game Star Renegades I guess we I guess put together like a wish list of things that we wanted to do for Halcyon 6 and then kind of put into a new game. And then uh, just another quick question for you. Uh, if you could have one Pokemon as a pet uh, what Pokemon would that oh, be? Oh man, oh man, that's hard. I think, uh, to be honest, I've only known like the I only grew up with like 150 Pokemon, <laughs> but I think um, I would use Pidgey or Pidgeotto so they can like fly me to other places. That, that's a that's very wise. So yeah, I would wake up like you know five minutes before I have to leave somewhere, and then they would just, like use fly to teleport me or to fly me over to somewhere. I need to get to on time. That you just gotta pull out that Google Maps tab and you're like Pidgey. Exactly. I wanna go here and then I'd be there. Where can people find out more about Star Renegades? Uh, you can go to our site starrenegades.com or follow us on Twitter, which is at Star Renegades. And we also have a page on Steam right now so you can wish list us. Great, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for dropping by. Thank you. 
After that was the appointment where I had the fewest expectations going in. I was going to be talking to someone from Island Nation, uh, which was a translation service for bringing games from Taiwan over to the Western audience. And so when I got to the booth, I, I saw that there were two games there, that one was being run on iPads, one like on a more you know traditional demo kiosk with like a DualShock, I think. And I ended up talking to uh, both of the gentlemen there. They talked about uh, one game each, and those games were uh, Subscribe My Adventure and Dungeon Munchie. So let's hear from them. Some people have come a very long way to be here at PAX East this weekend. Uh, and my next guest here has been maybe the longest out of anyone. Uh, can you introduce yourself for the listeners? Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Thomas, and uh, I'm from Taiwan. And you, you had, a, with layovers, a 24-hour flight to be here. Yeah. Uh, so it's like 10-hour flight from Taiwan to San Francisco, and then it's another 6-hour flight from uh, San Francisco to uh, Boston. So, yeah, and then the rest is layover. <laughs> so, so, Thomas, you have a couple different roles here. You are helping to promote Subscribe My Adventure, which is a game being made by Game Trippy. But you are separately with Island Nation. You are, you are the co-founder of that. Can you tell me about Island Nation first off? All right. So, Island Nation, we are a game localization company. Uh, we mainly work with um, indie games, and we also work with several AAA titles, but our passion lies in indie games. And uh, so, um, one of the main mission of our company is to introduce um, great Taiwanese games to Western players. And that's why we're here today. We, we got this booth. Uh, we work with Gentropy, who may um, subscribe my adventure, and also uh, with Dangjin Mangjis. Yeah. So Subscribe My Adventure has, uh, as part of it, it's about social media, and there's lots and lots of text in this game. Is, that, is, that, is this maybe more challenging than the average game to bring over to Western audiences? Right. So the biggest uh, challenge that we face is because uh, social media is it, it, a very complicated issue, uh, and also there's a lot of uh, cultural things in there as well. And so that the hardest part for us is kind of to bridge that uh, cultural difference, yeah. And in the game itself, you you are you are playing a game, but you're also w within the game having people watch you play the game, and then they're commenting on you playing the game in the game. Right. Uh, are there any uh, aspects that of that streaming culture that are applicable to an, uh, a Chinese or an Asian audience that would not necessarily come over to an American audience? Right. Uh, so I would say like the streaming experience, it's pretty similar. Uh, the biggest difference is probably like different issues that people you know throw on there or different slings that people use on there on the uh, on the on the chat chat window. Yeah. Right. Uh, would it be for like mobile platforms? So it's mainly for mobile platform. Uh, we are planning to release it. Uh, released in late 2019 uh, on iOS and Android. And one question I ask every guest, uh, you know, I think everyone worldwide has some connection somewhere with Pokemon. Okay. And what I'd like to ask you uh, is if there is a, a byproduct of a Pokemon that you would like to eat. I'll, I'll eat a Charmander. 
he looked pretty he looks pretty delicious all right so if you had the option of any you would eat a charmander yeah uh subscribe my adventure on uh, social media where can they find it uh so right now uh you can find us on facebook yeah so uh, we are mainly on facebook we are also on twitter uh so you can look up gametropy g-a-m-t-r-o-p-y uh you should be able to find us on there but uh, fair warning, though, most of the uh, updates are probably in, in, in Chinese. So we might have occasional English updates as well. All right, awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Got another game here that I just got the chance to test out for myself. It's called Dungeon Munchies, and I'm talking with Ian. Uh, Ian has done some marketing work with the game, he's done some translation work and some editing. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. Now, I already spotted a reference in here uh, to Power Rangers. Yes. <laughs> uh, is there a why? There's definitely a Western sensibility to some of the localization, I guess. Yeah, so the thing with the original Chinese script is it's very heavy on the sort of local Taiwanese humor. Um, and that's just hard to translate in and of itself. Like, I have to find sort of these local references to you know, to make it funny for everybody else, too. And you, uh, if I overheard you earlier, you were at GDC last week before you came here, is that correct? Uh, how are you feeling so right now? Turnout, I think it's pretty good. Um, like, I think visually speaking, uh, this is a game that people are, are attracted to. I mean, that's what I hoped, and I think that's the kind of result I'm seeing here, which is nice. So with this game, there's lots of different crafting elements uh, there's both like a food element and a uh, and a weapons element. And with regards to the food, is it intended to keep that as like Taiwanese cuisine? Yeah, that's the interesting part with the localization. Um, the food, I think, if you look at it visually, it, it does correspond to a lot of Taiwanese foods. What I've what I've tried to do with the localization is try to sort of make it more American. Um, and the justification behind that uh, is that it is munchies, so it should reflect sort of the comfort food that you're familiar with. Um, I don't want um, players to sort of go through the game and go, well, you know, what's that tofu dish? I don't really know, you know, but I want American um, players to be excited. Oh, yeah, I'm going to make a cheeseburger now, you know. That's, that's, um, that's sort of the meaning of the munchies. Um, and also, we're not, like, as developers, we're not big, like, foodie people. Uh, you know, we just eat what we like to eat, so that that plays a part in it too. We're not trying to like spread, you know, the greatness of a certain cuisine or anything. We just want to express sort of the comfort of eating. Is there a go-to uh, late-night order or comfort food at the studio if you have to work late? Um, I would say popcorn chicken and uh, like boba. Boba. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one other question here, and I ask this of all of my guests. Uh, if there were, there was one Pokemon you had the opportunity to eat, what would it be? To eat? Wow. If I could eat it, I'm curious what Porygon would taste like. <laughs> that is a great answer. I would like to know what a Porygon tastes like. Imagine it'd be metallic, but you know, who knows? So if people want updates on Dungeon Munchies, where could they get them on social media? Uh, follow us on Dungeon Munchies uh, for Twitter. Just Dungeon Munchies, no spaces, at Dungeon Munchies. Excellent. All right, thank you for your time. Thank you.
the Island Nation interviews ended up being the last uh, official plans I had for the day. So after that, I ended up going back to uh, checking some games out. I uh, went to Shake Jack for dinner, which is always a treat, and then came back to the event hall to do some tabletop gaming afterward. Uh, played some Clank with a few friends. That was a neat game. I'm hoping to try that again pretty soon. It's like a deck building game, but you're also moving through a dungeon. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of deck building games. And that was uh, next day, Friday, I came back. I So the, uh, if you're not familiar uh, with PAX, there are multiple ways to enter. There's the uh, main queue hall where people line up so they can get onto the expo uh, floor as quickly as possible. But for me, I don't really like all the noise and the heat and the beach balls that are bouncing around. So if I can, I like to go to one of the side entrances. There, There is like a, a second story up where you can kind of just hang out. And once the queue hall empties out, then they open those side entrances. So that's usually a lot more peaceful. That's what I did on Friday. Uh, so I checked out uh, one game first, uh, Dicey Dungeons, where I didn't have an appointment in advance, but I did end up talking to one of the people there, and you're going to hear that interview in next week's episode that is still yet to be edited. What you are going to hear now is my next appointment, which was with Kyle Seeley, who's working on Emily is Away 3. Thankfully, Kyle and I were able to meet a little bit away from the floor, although we still managed to run into a roving pack of enforcers who were kind of like playing loud music and singing and dancing, which, you know, I, I, I get it. I know why you would do that, but it didn't make for the uh, the best interviewing environment. And so when one of them caught uh, eye contact with us and kind of like walked and danced over, I was like, we're doing a podcast interview now. And and they, they kind of apologized and, and, and walked away. And I felt bad, too, because they were just trying to liven up the morning and have a little fun. But anyway, uh, here's my discussion with Kyle. to step a little bit away from the floor here. We got uh, to meet up at the Final Fantasy Crystal in the lobby. <laughs> and here I am with Kyle Seeley, who is right now working on Emily is Away 3. Kyle, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, so you just gave me a small taste of the game, but for our listeners who may not be familiar with the franchise, uh, you're attempting to simulate the social media experience perhaps earlier in the progression, where first off, uh, Emily's Away and Emily's Away 2 are both based on uh, AIM, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we're moving to 2008. Um, so the big social media at the time is Facebook. So it's, it's moving from AIM chat to 2008 era Facebook. So with these, there is a lot of period accuracy, uh, which is very impressive. Uh, like, Thanks. How much, like honestly, how much research do you have to do to get that stuff ready? A lot. Um, and it's been harder with Facebook because... Uh, you can use like Wayback Machine, so you know, go back and look at the Facebook landing page and stuff. But in order to view profiles, you can't because <laughs> the Facebook API doesn't work on Wayback Machine. So I just had to look at screenshots and stuff. Um, so it's a lot of that, a lot of screenshots and um, trying to figure out what features were really prevalent at the time. Um, and if like my memory is correct of what I used when I was a teenager versus you know, what the screenshots represent and that kind of stuff. Now, these, each of these games are featuring teenagers uh, going through like the end of high school and into college. Yeah. Uh, how do you continue to put yourself in that frame of mind as a young person? Well, I mean, music helps a lot, um, listening to music from that time. Because, you know, I grew up, I graduated high school in 2010. Um, so all of these games have been really personal in terms of, like, 
I had these kind of conversations, both on AIM and over Facebook. Um, and so it's just kind of going back to how I felt at the time and what I went through personally uh, and what my friends did, and then uh, kind of using that as a jumping off point for all the games. Something that seems to be a through line through the games is that uh, for younger people, uh, communication is more limited, or at least, I guess, private communication is more limited. Is that an aspect that you're hoping to explore with some of the very personal conversations that happen in these games? Yeah, I think what's uh, really interesting about um, the game, so AIM is very different, I feel like, than Facebook. Um, so in AIM, it's all about one-on-one private conversations between you and another person. Um, and they're, they're kind of really, it's what you did when you were, grew up in that era. You would come home, you go on the computer, and then you start talking to your friends online. Um, but the kind of platform that AIM was, it facilitated these one-on-one conversations between um, just two, two people, right? So you get to know your friends on a very personal level because you're just having one-on-one private conversations with them. Um, when Facebook comes in, it really amps up that group dynamic, Right. Because now all your friends are in one place, all of the posts, or most of the posts are public, right? So a lot of your friends can see what you're doing with your other friends, and it really amplifies the group dynamic. So whereas um, Emily 1 and Emily 2 really explored the private relationship you have with uh, these characters, Emily 3 is really going to explore that group dynamic and how your personal relationships with characters affect uh, your overall friend group in high school. With that group dynamic and with the nature of Facebook, it sounds like this is going to be a much more complex process putting everything together i see i see this light smile there. yeah um yeah it's a lot more complex it's, it's a lot bigger it's the biggest game i've ever made um which has kind of been you know emily 2 is bigger than one this one's going to be bigger than two um and the story is very complex in terms of its branching points um and i mean that's been fun to kind of like consider and i want to support like all the different endings that i have in mind right now and uh give each character really their own moments to shine because um, this character has uh, this game has um, four different characters that you can talk to whereas Emily 2 only had two um, and you can interact with even more through the Facebook interface uh, but with all of that comes more time more writing that nobody's going to see right like it's just a, a larger undertaking I don't want to give this away so we can cut this if you want but okay. uh, I did I was kind of impressed by the fact that there are the actual music YouTube tracks in the game. Uh, how are you planning to publish the game in, with those in there? <laughs> so we, we don't have to cut it. Um, the The way the work the game works is the game is it simulates a Firefox browser, so it could like two thousand eight, um, and then that browser has Facebook in it. Um, when you click a link in the Facebook browser, it opens up your own default browser to a web page that is using the YouTube API. Uh, so YouTube still gets a cut of all the plays or whatever. Um, so it's not like it's uh, ripping videos and putting them in the game. It's just uh, skinning what already exists online. I see. That that illusion totally fooled me. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I'm sure you want to expand and continue to make other projects probably down the line. But So I, I just learned, actually, I'm out of touch, that teenagers now use Google Docs to hold conversations. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> As like in class, you can have the Google Doc open and you can either like put edits in, you can do the show comments, or you can just like type on the page itself. Well, I guess that makes sense because if they have a restricted internet access, if it's like a school computer or something, right? So if you wanted to, I mean, you may want to explore different projects in the future, but could you envision potentially doing like Emily is Away 8 and it's like every new social media platform as we advance? Um, I think at, at a certain point, I'm going to 
come out of touch with the youth. <laughs> um, you know, like I was certain, like right now I'm doing 2008. That's when I was a teenager. I can do like 2010. You know, I can do college, my college years. But I think at a certain point, um, what I'm really excited about is younger game developers who are going to come up and tell their own story of how they use social media now. Because to me, it's a foreign landscape now. You know. Um, like, I have a Twitter, I have a game Twitter, I have Snapchat and stuff, but I don't use it the way that a teenager in high school would. Um, and I would love to see that game, you know? Um, so I'm excited for younger developers to come up and kind of show off how they grew up, and, and then I can play that. I can be the old people, the old generation playing and be like, oh, wow, this is crazy, I didn't know they used it like this, you know? Well, either I, I hope you make it, or maybe someone would inherit the will to make an Emily is Away variant with TikTok, where you're like making a music video oh, God, to, yeah. to about your breakup. Exactly. Yeah, I could not make that. <laughs> <laughs> but I would play that. I, I, I would I would play I'll play Emily's Away three first. Okay. And then in the future I will play these other games. <laughs> uh, so there is uh, one other question I want to ask. I ask this of all my guests on the podcast. Cool, cool. Uh, if there is one Pokemon that you could be. It could be. You could be. Yeah, it's have to be first generation. Um Probably Abra. Abra? Abra. Because it's the hardest Pokemon to get. <laughs> I spent so long as a kid on that route because it just teleports away. Uh-huh. And you have to use Bind to get it. Yeah, that's that's a great Pokemon. Abra is just a, he's a sleepy a boy. Pokemon, yeah. Pokemon Red was my game, so yeah. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if people want to get updates on the game, where can they find them? Um, so you can follow my Twitter uh, at KyleSeely23 is my dev Twitter, and then at Emmers. 35 is my game's Twitter. You can also just go to emilyisaway.com and then I'll have links to everything. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. Next up, I had been trying to talk to Lawrence uh, all day on Thursday. You know, it's funny, you know, with these events, everything is so busy. We have been going back and forth on Twitter, trying to connect. And uh, finally, we got the chance to do it here. And we talked about his game and his team's game, Aftercharge. We've moved back to the floor. I'm looking at Aftercharge right now, a 3v3 team-based, objective-based shooter. And I'm with uh, Lawrence Mercure, uh, who's a communications officer at Chainsaw Some Games. Hey, I'm very good, very good, very excited. Yeah, so I got the chance to try this game out a little bit before, both as the the robots and as the humans. Uh, We were victorious as the robots with a little help, with a little guidance, because there are definitely uh, a lot of different uh, mechanics going on in the game. Yeah, well, especially when you're playing robots, uh, we, we put a lot of fresh mechanics you've never seen in other games that we've built in, in, on this specific side. So uh, if you won, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Uh, like, normally games encourage teamwork. Like, I mean, obviously Overwatch, Dota, yeah. League of Legends. But here, there is like literally game mechanics built in that are like, hey, give energy to your friends so they exactly. have their powers. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's always been uh, a very core in our idea for Aftercharge to make a game where teamwork is like, is essential. It's, it's impossible to be a star player and like carry the game. Like it, you need the, the support of the rest of your team. Now, 3v3, uh, what, when did you land on that number of players? When, when did that make sense? Yeah, for that exact reason. We wanted a game that's very, very focused on teamwork. It's, very, it's easier to have teamwork in a smaller team. 
like to have better communication and coordination when you're you're a small team uh, and and also it's easier if if your game requires a team of three to find two friends to play actually with people you know instead of playing with strangers so uh, it, it, uh, it was really in our idea to have a team game and 3v3 felt the better because it's easier to fill servers because it, you don't need as many players and teamwork is, is more natural in a small team. Do you imagine uh, somewhere down the line having like some kind of feedback system or a role system because maybe there's like someone who's the, going for the objectives and there's another person who's like giving out energy. Do you? Oh, in that sense. Uh, not really. Like all the characters, there's six characters you can pick from on the two sides. They all have different abilities, so they can kind of be used for a different role. But like, especially on the robot side, they all have the same basic abilities. They have one unique ability each. So some can be considered support already, and others are more like we call them divers because they're they're characters that can really take care of themselves. So you can jump into into the fray and get out easily, while other characters are very vulnerable to being uh, surrounded. And down the line, do you, uh, will there be kind of a battle pass or continuing updates with maybe more characters at work? Uh, it's even see, uh, even easier than that. We're, we're releasing characters as, as free. They're, they're, they're all free. Oh, awesome. All the updates are, are free on Aftercharge. The game itself is premium. It's not a free-to-play, so uh, all the gameplay content is all free. That's great, and it's already available right now. You can go yeah. and buy it. It's available on PC and Xbox One. Uh, one question I do want to ask, and this is something I ask of every person I have on the podcast. Yeah. If you could have one Pokemon as a pet, which Pokemon would it be? Um, I would go for my favorite. I would go for Blastoise, because like Blastoise can be really, really useful in any situation. You need water. Water is vital. He's an unlimited source of water. And like he's strong, so he's gonna be helping around the house. So I, I, I will be, I will be taking Blastoise. Well, that's awesome. Uh, if people want to get more updates on Aftercharge or where they can buy it, where can they, uh, people find you uh, online? If they, if they go to AfterchargeGame.com, they'll find the links to the stores. Uh, but what I suggest also, if they want to know more about what it feels to be playing Aftercharge and they want to know to get the community, if they're a Discord user, I strongly suggest that they join our Discord, Discord.gg-Aftercharge. And then they'll be talking to real fans, and then maybe their fans will convince them to join the band. That's awesome. Thank you very much for your time. For our last interview from today's episode, I talked to, to Mark from Lightning Rod Games about their team's game, A Fold Apart. Mark was uh, pretty unique because he wasn't the only person uh, who I talked to about magic because... There was a big magic tournament known as the Mythic Invitational going on, but we ended up having kind of a, a funny chat because he had been trying to get into one of the magic side events that were going on that weekend. We ended up talking a little bit about modern along the way after the interview. Uh, so I'm hoping that if I get the chance to talk to Mark again, maybe we can talk a little bit more about magic. A fold apart. One of the first, if only, games that I've ever seen involving origami as a game mechanic. Yeah. Right now I'm joined by Mark LaFramboise. He is uh, the co-founder of Lightning Rod Games. Thank you for your time, Mark. Yeah, no problem. I wanted to ask you, first of all, because this game feels like it comes from a very emotional place. Uh, I was wondering if that speaks to someone, if you don't mind me asking personally from the company, if that's uh, like a personal story for them. 
Yeah, it's based on my own personal experience. So for about a year and a half, I was living apart from someone. I was in California working at Disney, and she was still living in Toronto area as a teacher. And so this, for about a year and a half, we were apart, and it was really tough. And um, like we're both in the same area now, but I really wanted to make a game about like this idea of like when we're being apart, like all the emotions that you kind of go through being apart from someone that you care about, and like a lot of the communication and miscommunication that happens while you're living apart like that. Uh, how did the idea of origami get folded into that? Okay, so it was a very separate idea. So it was funny. Stephen and I were just kind of brainstorming ideas one day uh, after GDC, and we were just like, what are some cool game mechanics that we hadn't seen before? And he came up with this idea. He was like, you know, what about the back of a Mad magazine where you like fold it? It's like one picture, you make a new picture. And I thought that was interesting, but I didn't really know how to make that into a game at first. And I really wanted to make a game about a long distance relationship, but I wanted mechanics that matched it as well, instead of just having the story. And so we kind of sat in the back burner for a couple months, and I realized that we could like combine the two because the original metaphor was if you have a piece of paper and you have a character on one side and you have a character on the other, you're basically living in two different worlds. But if you merge or if you fold the paper, you can like merge those two worlds together, which is kind of what it feels like when you're living apart. Like you wish you could just take your two worlds and like mash them together. And so that was the original inspiration for the game. Now, as you play, you are, of course, unfolding more, or I guess you are folding the story together as you complete more of the puzzles. Correct, yeah. Uh, one other thing I noticed is during the uh, opening selection screen, you may choose to have male-female, uh, male-male, female-female, female, or female-male. Yeah, yeah. uh, was that important to you to have that kind of representation? Yeah, absolutely. As a, as a studio, it's really important to us to be really inclusive. And it was something where it's like, we just wanted to be able to make the game as relatable as possible. Because like, it's based on my story, but you know the idea of, of a long-distance relationship in this kind of story is it's much more universal. And we wanted people to be able to relate to it in whatever kind of preference they had. So. Now, I noticed on the... Uh, you, Correct me if I'm wrong here. It appears you are getting some assistance from the city of the Toronto in the organization of this game. Oh, so we have uh, funding from the Canada Media Fund, as well as Ontario Creates. So it's the federal and provincial uh, levels of, of funding. Is that uh, something that's available to all game devs, where you can uh, apply for maybe like a grant, if I'm understanding correctly, to make a game? Yeah, it's a combination of a grant and also revenue sharing. So Canada Media Fund is a federal level one. So any studio in Canada can apply to it. And that one... Um, they share in the revenue after the game's launched. And then Ontario Creates is open to any studio in, in Ontario, and that one is a grant. All right, uh, awesome. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah, no that's awesome. We we don't have that here. <laughs> and then uh, the last question I have is, if there is one Pokemon that you could eat... Yeah, I could eat, okay. Yeah. What Pokemon would that be? Oh, Jigglypuff. Jigglypuff? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think he tastes like marshmallow. That would be my guess. So Jigglypuff, that, that is not the... You're not the only person to say Jigglypuff, so you're, you're not alone there. <laughs> Uh, if people want to find out more about a Fold Apart and Lightning Rod games, uh, where can they find that? So uh, we have a website, it's a foldapart.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, which is LRG Thunder. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. And that's where we're going to wrap it up this week. I have eight more interviews you can look forward to next week, plus some discussion of the rest of my time at PAX. I hope you've enjoyed this. I, uh, I really look forward to my annual trips to PAX. I really like getting to talk to new developers about new projects and just meeting new people in general. So it's a real treat for me. I hope it's half as much a treat for you to hear about uh, the developers' experiences. So until next week, thank you very much for listening to So Many Bits. My name is Bill Nielsen, and if you need to reach me, I can be found by email at so many bits podcast and gmail.com. 
Like us on Facebook, where are so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Spreaker, from SoundCloud, from YouTube, or stream through Spotify. We play games, twitch.tv slash so many bits, Wednesday and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time. Wednesdays for Magic the Gathering Online or Magic the Gathering Arena. Thursdays for a variety of different games. Recently, I've been playing Marvel's Spider-Man, The Simpsons Hit and Run, got all the way through Super Hot, stuff like that. And last but not least, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great summer. Summer.